0: For those of you who don't know me, I am Chris Wills, and I am the discipleship leader here at No Limits. Uh, I am married to Gina, who is the hospitality team leader here at No Limits, and coincidentally today I'm speaking on serving, which is serving others, love like Jesus. It's our second part of this series. You know, when we look at the life of Jesus, He was constantly shocking the world with just irrational acts of love. And last week, you know, Pastor Kay talked about forgiving others, which to us seems irrational sometimes with the way he would forgive people. And then today I'll be talking about serving others, and then next week, uh, the message is on relationships. So these are just three areas in our life where we really need Jesus to help us with these areas of life, because they're hard. We can't do it on our own. I mean, these are just hard things to do. And so, as usual... I'm sure you guys are growing accustomed to it. I'm going to have a lot of scripture. I just put a lot of scripture in my messages because I love it. And yeah, the word, the word compliments itself so well. I just like to show you guys through the word how it, it just compliments itself over and over. Word. All right. So this is where we're starting off. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own, Who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And as supper being ended, that actually means as it was being wrapped up, finished, so they're actually getting ready to eat. As supper was being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. There is a lot here. I know there is. And so it's hard for me to know where to begin, but I'm just going to start here. This was during the Last Supper, okay? This was one of the last things that Jesus was going to teach his disciples before he was going to be arrested and crucified. Uh, I think that really shows how important this lesson is, because if you're getting ready To leave this world, and it said right there, he knew he was getting ready to leave. You would be trying to teach your disciples the most important thing that you could. You would give them one last lesson. So Jesus had spent the last three or so years intimately teaching his disciples. And then, because they were the closest to him. And then so that again, that's really why I think that's this is super important for us to get into our heart. So we're going to set the scene just a little bit now. So this is Jesus. You know, he is the son of man. He is the son of God. And yet he dresses down to perform the duties of a slave, you know. And from what I understand, there was usually a basin of water when you walked into a home, but you generally washed your own feet. You know, there's there's a basin there. If you come in, your feet were dirty, you washed your feet, and that was it. And some of the richer homes where they could afford a slave, they would have a slave to wash your feet, but it was only for... Really rich people, and uh, but it was seen as the one of the lowliest things that you could do was to wash feet. There was even some scholars that believe that Jewish slaves weren't even couldn't be forced to wash feet because it was so demeaning. Like that was just safe for Gentile slaves. So that, that's how I'm just trying to paint a picture. This is what Jesus was doing. This is how they saw this form of washing feet. Okay. Yet Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the highest of the high, starts to wash his disciples' feet. So that's like to, I like to put myself in these situations. Like, what do you think the disciples were thinking? They're probably like, what in the world is going on? You know, like, what is he doing? You know? Yeah, he's like, what? Should we say anything? I don't know. Should you say anything? And then, Is this a test? Maybe he wants us to wash his feet. Were we supposed to do that before? Because I, did, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, none of them say a word. All the way up until he gets to Peter. When he gets to Peter, we'll see what Peter says. Peter says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, But also my hands and my head. (laughs) It's funny how he switched so quick. (laughs) Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So I've heard this analogy and I really like it. And it is when we are born again, we are made completely clean. But as we walk through the world, our feet get dirty and need to be cleansed. And what the analogy is, is the feet would be referring to our soul and our mind. So our spirit man is made new. It's completely clean. But as we live in the world, it changes the way we think, and we need to get back to the cleansing power of the Word of God daily to wash our minds. So therefore, we can wash our feet on a, on a daily basis to cleanse our minds. I just really like that analogy. Yeah. So once Jesus was done washing their feet he began to explain the lesson he just demonstrated. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say so well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. King James Version actually says, you will be happy if you do them. If you truly realize that you are called to serve, then you will be happy to serve. It's not so much of a burden. So Jesus has uh, not only taught us how to live as Christians, but he taught us how to be a true leader should, should act. His teachings usually go against the popularity of the world or how the world sees the worldview, you know? So the world tells us that you need to, to get rich, you need to become the boss, that way people can serve you. When Jesus is painting a completely different picture, he goes, no, you want to be a true leader, you need to serve others. And true leadership is taking care of the people you are in charge of. It's also important to note that Judas would have been, his feet would have been washed by Jesus also. Jesus already knew, it said right when we were reading through the Scripture, that he knew he would betray him, but Jesus still washed Judas's feet, already knowing he would betray him, which is irrational to most people's thoughts. I mean, if you knew someone you were close to who was getting ready to betray you, to be tortured, to be crucified, could you wash their feet out of love? Even It's not even just the act. Can you be motivated by love to wash their feet? Mm. And Jesus went through infinitely more than just being physically tortured because he took upon himself the entire sin of the world. So we we can't even fathom how much Jesus was forgiving this guy and then be motivated by love to serve him. Mm. So it really puts love your enemies and do good to those who hate you into perspective. So... So now I want to go to Luke And it's hard to know, tell exactly when this happened Because they all tell different bits and pieces of the story Of the Last Supper But it was seen this occurred after Jesus had washed their feet So it's kind of interesting Now there was also a dispute among them As to which of them should be considered the greatest <laughs> Didn't take long So, But this wasn't even the first time they had this dispute You know, they'd had it before And Jesus told them. then, he said, the least of you will be the greatest. I think it comes up so many times because it's a heart issue. Uh, And, you know, we've heard this a whole lot. We've heard this a lot, just that you need to serve. Just humble yourself and serve. But we're so self-centered as humans that uh, it takes a lot to get this message from our head to our hearts. So if this argument was indeed after the foot washing, it is almost shocking. It's like, how could they have forgotten what had already happened. Okay? But when you read Luke, Jesus had just said, One of you will betray me. He had just mentioned one of them will betray him, and then all of a sudden they're getting into this argument. So I can't say this is exactly how it happened, but I could see this happening today like this. I can see Peter might be like, You know, I know it's not me. I'm not going to betray him because I'm, I'm probably the best because I walked on water. So, you know, I'm probably the best one here. And then, you know, John's probably sitting there like, dude, you sink like a stone. Um, I'm probably the best one here because I'm the one that Jesus loves. And, and you can see they went, you can switch so quickly. I can see this happening in today's world, you know. It's, you're just trying to say, oh, I'm not the bad guy because I'm the best. I can't be the bad guy because I'm the good guy. I'm the best guy. And before you know it, here they are already arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Hmm. So, pride sinks in real quick. It's easy to, it's easy to fall into. But we'll read Jesus' response to the argument. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is that not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. And the disciples had heard this a number of times by now because they'd heard it once before after arguing. Just, here's some more. I'm just going to show you how many times it's just brought up. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. another one. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus teaches this over and over and over again, and That makes you like, why do you have to teach his disciples this so many times? And why did he make it a focus at the very end of his ministry? I mean, essentially, he taught that same lesson to him twice in the same night, at the Last Supper, right before he left. So, But we are humans are so self-focused, and we get wrapped up within ourselves, we don't even realize that it happens so quick. And this is one of the reasons it's important to read our Bible daily to cleanse our mind uh, from the world's way of thinking. Because it's not in our human nature to love each other like Jesus did. It's just not there. You have, to, uh, you have to be empowered by Jesus to do those things. Because we tend to see serving as a sacrifice a lot of times, instead of an opportunity. But serving other, serving others isn't supposed to be done with a bad attitude. Mm, yep, there it is. <laughs> uh, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I do respect Pastor Cade so much, because I've seen him on multiple occasions cleaning the bathrooms. You know, you just, I was just walking over there, and he's, like, cleaning the bathrooms. And he never has a bad attitude about it, you know? Like, he doesn't complain, or he doesn't even find someone that's on the cleaning team and be like, hey, man, the bathroom needs clean. Could you get that? He takes care of it. He sees the need, he sees what needs to be done, and he takes the opportunity to serve. And that's what I really it's, uh, motivates me. Cause man, if we had, if we all had that mindset, honestly, would we need a clean team? If everybody cleaned something up when they saw it needed done, we wouldn't even need a clean team. Like it, wouldn't, it would be pointless because everything would always get done. Oh, the windows are dirty. I guess I'll go wash them real quick. Oh, toilet needs scrubbed. I guess I'll scrub the toilet. It would just be taken care of. But hmm, that'd be good. That'd be nice. <laughs> you, you might be saying, yeah, but I, I don't really want to clean a toilet. But can you? That's a question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody with an able body can clean a toilet, amen? <laughs> so, yeah, our, our list of volunteers on the clean team should be so long that people are asking to clean because it's been so long since they've got a chance. Hey, where's my opportunity to clean, amen? Okay. <laughs> okay, it's easy to say. And it's easy to even know what the right thing to do is. But it's hard to get that desire, isn't it? Yep. Sometimes we even do things out of guilt. But it's with the wrong heart and it's with the wrong attitude. And serving isn't supposed to be something that we do. It should be who we are. It shouldn't just be something we do. Serving is who we are. Hmm. So how do you get this change of attitude? How do you change your heart so that you can truly love like Jesus? Hmm. We want to get to where. <laughs> you ready? You ready to hear what the answer is? The answer? Hmm. Well, yeah. How do you get to where you can turn things you don't want to do into things you love to do because you just love to serve God? And, we, and you finally figure out that the least is the greatest. And these are the questions that I've asked myself, and I've tried to find the answers. And I want to take a look in Matthew because I think this kind of explains it here. But this this is speaking of treasure, but it also speaks of the heart, okay? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or thieves neither break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, this doesn't say you will give where your heart is, right? So this is essentially saying you can change your heart by putting your treasure, where you put your treasure is where your heart will be. I mean, this is actually talking about financial blessings too, but treasure is a big thing. So if your treasure to you is your time, and you're like, I don't have time to serve. I just don't want to do it. Then you can start investing your time into the kingdom of heaven. And at first, it might be with a bad attitude. But if you remind yourself of the Scripture when you have a bad attitude, just say, God, I give my time to you. Thank you that my heart is where my treasure is. You will start to develop an attitude towards serving. I mean, it takes work. There is no, like, just, oh, you can change your attitude overnight, go to bed, you're fine. You have to work at it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, But you can actually see... Uh, where Jesus tried to apply this principle to a specific situation. Okay, this is just later in the book of Matthew, and it's the story of the rich man, right? And he comes to Jesus and asks him what he must do to be saved. And Jesus lists off some commandments. He's like, "Yeah, I followed all those. What else, Jesus? You know, he's probably thinking he's going to be uh, saved by his works, which you know, no one was except Jesus. He's the only one that completed the law." But he asked, what else? And Jesus had this reply. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sow what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay? Jesus knew where the man's heart was. We know that money in and of itself isn't bad. It's the love of money. And so Jesus was trying to get this man to change his attitude by giving what he held dear to God. That's what this was. And I think this principle applies to anything that we struggle with in life. We cannot change on our own. So we have to truly give what we struggle with. Now, if that's serving, if you have problems serving others, then you're going to have to give that to God. And when we change our heart and focus on God, then we can truly serve with a godly attitude. Because Jesus humbled himself and served out of love. He didn't serve out of obligation or guilt. He served out of love, and that's where we need to get to. So we need to create a life of serving. I mean, you should serve your spouse. You should serve your home, serve in your community, serve at work, serve at the church. I mean, you are a servant. It's not just for church. It's everywhere. It's your entire life. That's who you have be created to be. Serve people. So it's important to stay away from pride also when you start doing this. And pride just doesn't have to be the attitude of, I'm not doing that. But it can be the form of bragging, which is brought up in Matthew. It says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do your charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets." that they may have glory from men assuredly i say to you they have their reward but when you do a charitable deed do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be done in secret and your father who sees you in secret uh, who sees in secret will himself reward you openly hmm. do you know what today's trumpet is Facebook, social media, (laughs) you know, Uh letting the world know all the good things you did. Why? What's the point? Just so people can see you as a better person, you know. (laughs) God sees your heart. You can't fool God. Your motive is more important than the action When we fall into this type of pride, we receive our reward. I mean, you do get a reward, I guess, but it's not from God. It's just praise for man. There is no seed planted to harvest later. Okay? So I'm telling you now that God's reward is way better than the praise of man. So make it a point to meditate on His Word when you serve people to make sure you're keeping your heart in the right place. 1 Corinthians 13, it's the entire love chapter. I just pulled out a little piece of it, and it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Mm. This whole chapter in the Bible deals with love. It doesn't matter how much we do. It doesn't matter what you do. If it's not in love, it is nothing. There's nothing there. There is no reward earned from your Father on this earth or in heaven, and anything that is not motivated by love, yeah, there's just no reward for it. We need to realize that uh, not wanting to do something doesn't necessarily make it hypocritical to do something because as long as you need to have your motives right, because to be honest, I don't know anyone that really enjoys scrubbing a toilet anyway, you know? But you can still be motivated by love to scrub that toilet, and just because you don't like to do it does not mean that you're being hypocritical about it, okay? Okay. But that doesn't mean you have to have a bad attitude when you do it, either. So, yeah, because, I mean, honestly, look at Jesus. You know, he didn't want to go to the cross. He asked the Father twice. He said, please take this cup from me. Is there any other way? Lord, all things are possible. Is there any other way? And when Jesus, or he, he did... It looks like he never got an answer from God. I don't know if God actually did tell him or not. He might have just not answered him. It looks like he didn't have one, but he still went to the cross, motivated by love. He goes, if there's no other way, I'll go. So if we're having trouble acting in love, it's because we don't realize how much we are that God loves us. We need to understand his love for us, because if we truly understood his love for us, then we wouldn't have a problem being motivated by that love, because it would engulf us. Mm. So we can go, yep, do the things that we don't want to do. So we can go in the world, do those things we don't want to do, but it will not be a big deal because we are not focused on ourselves, but we are focused on letting the love of God flow from us into the world. We are called to take care of each other, to wash each other's feet. And just let me say it 's not the pastor 's job to individually take care of everyone it 's actually our responsibility to take care of each other and uh you know we 're going to be starting small groups up sometimes again uh, this following this coming year, and so we 'll be able to minister and to serve each other on a more intimate closer level that's what those, that's what those small groups are good for to help us to take care of each other, but you can start applying. This loving attitude today. You can start at home in your family. You know, I know Gina hates washing pots and pans. So guess what? I wash pots and pans. It's not a big deal. It's little things. It sounds small, but it's not to her. You know, it's, it's easy to find little ways to serve. I mean, can you serve at work? Can you show up early to your job, make some coffee for everyone at work? I mean, you don't have to do that every day, but there's little things that you can do in your life just to serve others, to work on your, work on your heart and work on your attitude. And there are tons of ways to serve here at No Limits because we have greeters. We have the cafe team, which, by the way, we would need volunteers for the cafe, cafe team. Would be would be nice. If you're interested in that, please let us know. We need ushers, counting team, quick-cleaning team, kids' classes. We always need teachers. And if you have put off teaching, becoming a teacher because you think that you don't know enough to teach, I'm telling you, you can do it, okay? You're, you're awesome. You'll get a lesson plan. And when you put together that lesson, it'll, it'll be broke down for you. But as you go through it, preparing for the kids' class, you're going to learn so It's awesome just studying for your kids' class. And you're going to learn so much, and it's going to be broke down for you. So, please, if you're putting off wanting to become a teacher because you think you can't do it, you can. Just go talk to Michelle, and she will hook you up teaching some kids' classes. But <laughs> let me say one last time, and that is the motivation is more important than the action. If you have trouble wanting to serve, I encourage you to go home to get into the Word and just talk to God. Say, I want to be who your Word says I should be. Change my heart and mind to have a servant's attitude so I can show people who you truly are. Amen.